Wow. Right? Yeah, he, he's the one we're here for today. It's all, it's all about Jesus. Uh, whew, we've got to get you guys up here more often. <laughs> Thank you. So, I'm, I'm a veteran myself. I was in the Air Force for, for many years, and uh, we never went overseas. We lived in eight different states, but... Uh, you know, I, I had the kind of jobs where I, I was really kind of way, way behind the scenes uh, doing things I wasn't allowed to talk about. Um, not anything all that interesting, really, but, I, you know, it was just stuff I couldn't talk about. And my mom thought that uh, I, I knew a lot more than I actually did about really interesting things. She, you know, uh, she goes, well, how about UFOs, you know? I, you know, I've been listening to radio in the middle of the night, and I, I hear about these things. You know, is, it, is it true? And I said, Mom, I, uh, I, we have not identified any UFO ever. They're unidentified. Okay. That, that's, that's it. She, didn't, she didn't catch that joke either. Anyway, so um, yeah, I, I never, I, you know, I almost went to... Um, Guam once we almost went. I almost went to Iceland. Uh, almost went overseas many times, but uh, it never happened for one reason or another. And uh, the cool thing is, is our oldest daughter Alicia married a guy who was in the Air Force, and he's been over. He's been stationed overseas quite a bit, so we've been able to uh, post uh, military career visit cool places overseas. We went to Japan. Uh, they were in Germany for a while. And this one trip we took a few years ago was really pretty neat. The highlight was um, Ireland. We we visited them in Germany. We saw six different uh, countries in, in three weeks. So it was kind of a, a whirlwind tour. But Ireland was uh, really cool. And I, I think I've mentioned uh, the Cliffs of Mower before. Um, we did a long hike along the top of... The, the cliff along the, along the edge, and um, there were two two paths. There was the uh, the official path, and then there was the uh, illegal path, which which was right on the edge. And there was there was a fence that separated these paths, and uh, we we noticed that most of the people were jumping the fence and getting on the illegal trail. And sometimes that trail was just right on the edge. And I've read about it. I've read how a lot of there are a lot of places along the cliffs where the the trail is on turf, which is on top of crumbling rocks. And uh, this is this is one of the most dangerous tourist de- destinations in in the world. It's in the top ten. And I read that uh, thirty to forty. No, that's wrong. Ten people. Ten people per year die uh, falling over the edge. And com- com- by comparison, Grand Canyon loses two or three people per year. And, um, you know, there's, I think there's kind of a spiritual parallel here, you know, about which, which way, which path we walk on. You know, if, if we walk on God's path... He's going to keep us. He's going to hold us 
But, you know, as, as a human race, we've been jumping the fence uh, ever, ever since the, the beginning and rebelling. Ever since uh, Adam and Eve, you know, people have uh, continuously gone off from the path and, and gone their own way. And it, it's just so easy, like it was with, uh, and, and I'll admit, we, we jumped the fence our, as well. And uh, we shouldn't have, but we did. That was it's a much much better view, but you know, and, and I've got to admit, we've all we've all jumped the fence and, and gone on the wrong spiritual path as well. You know, we live in a perilous world, and when we get off the path, you know, we may find ourselves on some pretty shaky ground. You know, we need to be on the the solid rock, the solid path, and um, Isaiah talks about. The way we, we go astray, the way we go off the path. Isaiah 53, 6, the very first part says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And, uh, you know, in our, in our culture, that's, that's a good thing, right? We're, we're encouraged to go our own way. There, there are songs, there are, are TV shows and movies. And, you know, Frank, Frank Sinatra sang a song, I think, called I Did It My Way. And we're praised for that, you know, uh, individualism, pulling ourselves up by, by the bootstraps, not letting anybody tell us what to do. You know, but Isaiah makes it really clear that going your own way is, is not a good thing. It's, it's rebellion, which is uh, a sin. This passage, uh, it, it's about the Messiah, the one who would usher in the kingdom of God, the one who would give us the, the path the one who'd come and save us, who'd, who'd take our sins upon himself and make things right, bring us, bring us shalom. Let me, let me read that, that, that whole verse, 53.6, Isaiah 53.6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God wants to... Uh, turn us from that, that sinful attitude of wanting to uh, rebel and go on our own way. He wants us to, to go his way, to go with him, to be with him. Uh, last Sunday, last week, we started in the Gospel of Mark, and we talked about the gospel, you know, the good news, the good news of, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who... You know, he is the embodiment of of the gospel. You know, he was proclaimed by the uh, by the prophets. The whole Old Testament speaks of Jesus. I'd like to kind of circle back around a little bit and and talk about the way of the Lord. You know, how we need to follow Jesus, the way we need to uh, be His disciples. We're going to look at discipleship. Over the next couple of weeks, and today we're gonna we're gonna look at the way of the Lord in in terms of three things: call, commission, and uh, consequences or, or cost. And we're gonna look at, at each of these three things uh, from the perspective of of John the Baptist, Jesus, and the disciples who Jesus called. Let's begin with John. 
You know, John the Baptist was, was called by God. He was, he was on a mission. You know, he was called to be a, a messenger who would announce the, the Christ, who would point the way to the, uh, the Messiah. You know, he, was, he was sent by God. Verses 2 and 3 in, in Mark 1 say, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. And he's talking about John the Baptist here. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. You know, it's, it's interesting in how that, that, that word way is mentioned twice here. In, in the original language, the, the word uh, speaks of a road or, or a path. And this concept comes up uh, later as Jesus calls his disciples when he when he says, "Follow me." You know, he's saying, "Come with me. Come and and be on the path that I'm taking. Come and be with me. Follow me." Uh, well, let's look at Jesus' calling next uh, in verses uh, ten and eleven. And this is when John is is baptizing Jesus. It says, when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. You know, we see that Jesus here is, is being called by the father, the, the beloved son being called by the, the father. You know, Jesus's life, his, his ministry were well-pleasing to, to the Father. You know, Jesus' mission was to bring salvation, to, to bring people back onto the path, from the, the path. His mission was to bring salvation to those who would, who would repent and believe in him. Next, the, uh, we, we see the disciples the call of, of the disciples in verses 16 and 17 and, and 20. Let me read those. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Verse 20, it said that he immediately called them. He called them. The way things worked in, in those days when, when children were brought up at, at about the age of uh, maybe six or seven, they would, they would be sent to school, Torah school, to learn about God's law, to learn the scriptures. And uh, many Jewish children at the time when, uh, you know, about the age that kids, our kids go to middle school, you know, they would be at the end of their formal education. Most of them would just go back to their, their parents and begin to learn the, uh, the family trade or the family business. Maybe they would uh, become fishermen, which was the case with uh, Simon and Andrew maybe boat builders, uh, tradesmen, uh, carpenters, merchants. Uh, few of them would go on in their education, though. You know, those who were, were considered to, uh, to show promise, those who were the best and the brightest would, 
they would continue to learn the Torah. They would continue to uh, be taught the, the scriptures. And at the end of that training, again, most, most of those would uh, go back to their, their families. But the ones who showed the, the most potential would be invited by a, a rabbi to, to follow him, to, to learn from him, to, uh, to take up his way of life. Well, Simon and Andrew, and later James and John, uh, really weren't part of this this group of the the best and the brightest, apparently, because they were working in the family's business, uh, fishing. But look what happens. Jesus, in in this passage, he he sees Simon and Andrew, and he sees something that uh, people didn't see. He saw something special there, and he, this, this rabbi, Jesus, called them. He said, follow me. Jesus was asking for repentance, turning from their life, their way of life, turning towards him and going with them. You know, he said, follow me, follow me. Not, not follow be, from behind, which is what we might normally think, but, but be with me. Be with me. There were, there were plenty of people who followed Jesus around. As we go through the Gospels, we read about these multitudes of people who followed Jesus. You know, uh, they, would, they would hear about this guy. There's this guy, he's, uh, he's, he's curing people from blindness. He's, he's bringing people back from the dead. He's, he's casting out demons. He's doing... All these amazing things you got to see. You got to come and, and and watch this. You know, people are are lame. People are are jumping up and and running around. But really, it was a very small number of people who wanted to follow Jesus, to learn from him, to to be with him. And to Simon and Andrew, he's he's saying, "Leave your life behind. Walk with me. Follow me in the way that I go." Go with me to the, the places I go. Meet the people I meet. Learn the things I have to say. Walk alongside me. Be with me. Hang out with me. Learn from me. Learn not only the, the things I know, but the, the things I do. Be like me. Be my disciple. You know, there's a lot in there when Jesus talks to them and says, follow me. Be my disciple. He's, you know, what's what's our call? What's the nature of our call? It's it's really the same thing. You know, Jesus is saying the same thing to us. Come and follow me. Be with me. Now, after the call comes a a commission. You know, a call needs to be answered, right? And in John, uh, not not John, in, in uh, Mark three through eight. Let's let's look at John. Let's look at John and his commission. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. 
And he preached, saying, After me comes one who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I've baptized you with water, but he will baptize you. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What was John's commission? It was to be the forerunner of of Jesus, to be the one who announced the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. You know, the, the, to be the voice that says uh, the Messiah is coming. Repent. Be forgiven of your sins. Be cleansed. Jesus is, is coming after me and he's going to offer forgiveness. He's going to uh, baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He's, he's going to give you the very presence of God. Spirit of God to to be in you and with you. He's going to bring you shalom, wholeness, restoration if if you will turn to him. Let's look at Jesus' commission in uh, 14 to 15. Now after, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. You know, Jesus was commissioned by the Father to proclaim the gospel. He was sent to, uh, to be the gospel, the, the good news. He was sent to uh, seek and, and to save that which was lost. He came to die, he was sent to die for our sins, to be buried and, and raised from the dead you know, so that we can have new life in him. And Jesus came with the full authority of God. We see that at, at this baptism. You know, he is God made flesh, the, the Messiah, the, the Savior who was promised, the, the Son of God. And the disciples are commissioned, and we read in verse 17 where Jesus says to them, Follow me. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. That was their commission to be fishers of men. You know, from I've I've heard this story many times. This this was one of actually one of the first verses I ever memorized when I was a, a small kid. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we know when we, we come to these men who are fishermen, you know, until this day, this particular day, they're, they're out fishing. And this young rabbi comes and says to them, come, follow me, be my disciples. Not just to know what I know, but to, to be like me, to carry on my work in this world, to to take up my calling and my commission. It's, it's interesting. Jesus says to them, come follow me and I'll, I'll make you fishers of men. You, you've spent your whole life working on the sea and casting nets and repairing nets and catching fish. And you know what? I'm going to make you a... I'm going to make you real fishermen. I'm going to, I'm going to send you to, to fish for people. 
Now they've been fishing on this uh, this very large lake, the the Sea of Galilee. And um, interesting, it's called the Sea. It's it's a lake. And you might in your mind think, well, it's a lake. So what? But in in the ancient uh, Near East, you know, the the sea was, it was a symbol of of chaos and darkness and and death. It was was a scary place. You know, among Israel's neighbors, the, uh, the, the pagan creation myths uh, the, the sea is a place from which chaos emerges. It's considered to be a place of the unknown, a place of darkness. You know, chaos emerges from from the depths of the sea, and so it's so it's kind of interesting and and significant that this lake is called a sea. Uh, the the view of a sea like this shows up in in Hebrew poetry in the Old Testament. You know, there, there's images in the book of Job and the book of Psalms that uh, talk about God conquering over the chaos of, of the sea and, and the sea creatures. When we read through the book of Jonah, we, we definitely see the, the sea as a chaotic, scary place. You know, the storm sets in, it's, it's frightening. When we lived in Montana, we, we lived near a Flathead Lake, which is a, a lake. But it's a big lake. And uh, during the, the several years we lived there, we would occasionally hear stories in the newspaper about people who'd gone out in small boats or canoes who died in storms on that lake. Um, think about Revelation 21, right, right at the end of the Bible. What does it say about the sea? It says... Uh, you know, when John sees the uh, the new heaven and the new earth, it says the, the sea was no more. Chris and I were talking about this earlier this week, and she goes, oh, I love the beach. <laughs> but uh, the, the, I think the point is that, you know, the idea is that when, when the new Jerusalem de- descends on the earth from heaven, there's going to truly... Be shalom. Everything wrong will be set right. There will no, there will be no more uh, chaos and, and destruction and, and death. And so Jesus calls these men. He says, come, follow me. Be my disciples. Walk in my way. Uh, do my work with me. Rescuing people from the darkness and the death and the chaos. With me, pluck people out of this destruction. So going, going the way of the Lord involves calling and, and commission. But let's look at the consequences. Let's look at the consequences. John 1.14. You know, Jesus will later tell his disciples that John the Baptist is, is the greatest man who's ever lived. You know, he, after all, is one who prophesied about Jesus, introduced him. Who, he's the guy who baptized the Messiah. And as John follows the call and the commission that he is given, he's arrested. Verse 14, Mark, Mark records that after John was arrested, 
Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of John. You know, John had been at the center of the transition between the Old and the New Testament. He, he ushered in the New Testament, so to speak. And he's suffering at the hands of the civil government. And later he's, he's going to be killed. You know, so for John, going the way of the Lord had uh, a great cost, had very serious consequences. And of course, when we look at Jesus, you know, we, we get a glimpse of his path of, of suffering. Remember, in the account of the temptation uh, in the wilderness, we, we see Jesus is suffering on a spiritual battleground. He encounters Satan when he's in the wilderness. He's, he's surrounded by and threatened by uh, wild beasts. But the Holy Spirit's with him. You know, the Spirit is the one who led Jesus to the wilderness in the first place, but also the angels were there attending him. You know, Mark, Mark doesn't reveal in chapter 1 what is ultimately going to happen to Jesus, but, but we know if we skip ahead just a few chapters in, in chapter 9, he's going to tell the disciples about the consequences of, of his calling and his commission. 931 says the the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men and they'll kill him. And when he's killed after three days, he'll rise. Verse 1034, he says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. Then the son of man will will be delivered over to the chief priest and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him. They'll flog him and they'll kill him. We get a glimpse of the cost of discipleship for four disciples, Andrew, Simon, James, and John, when we see how they they left the safety of their former life. They left the security of their jobs and and their families. You know, they, they said goodbye to the way of life that was comfortable in order to follow this this rabbi who didn't even have a place to call home. And as, as they go along following Jesus and, and being with him, they're going to they're gonna see his suffering. They're going to experience it themselves eventually. You know, they're going to they're gonna become very well acquainted with the, uh, the cost of discipleship. During World War II, there was a, a pastor in Germany. His name was uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And he, he wrote a book which had that title, The, the Cost of Discipleship. And he, he speaks about those who are called to follow Jesus or are or, uh, called to, to die, to die to self. You know, we don't we don't come to Christ for a for an easy, comfortable life. We don't come to uh, Jesus for for great material success. Uh, Bonhoeffer calls this uh, cheap grace. Yeah, he said and this is a famous quote: "When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die." Dietrich Bonhoeffer was was martyred 
by the uh, the Nazis shortly before the end of the war. And uh, you know, few, if any, of us will will be called to martyrship. Um, but what are we called to? We are called to give our lives, to give our lives, to lay down our lives. The Apostle Paul bids us present ourselves as, as living sacrifices unto God. We, we need to count the cost, count the cost. If we're going to follow Jesus, we need to follow his way. We need to count the cost. We need to be willing to, to give up the things that are most important to us, whether that be comfort or material success or safety. You know, we are we willing to follow him no matter what the cost? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. You know, being a disciple, following Jesus, being a witness, what might the cost be? What might we be called to, to give up? Perhaps our friends, our jobs, our, our families. There are many places in the world where people are giving up those things today, their safety, their riches. Yeah, after all, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 through 25, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and, and loses his soul. So this life of discipleship, following the way of, of the Lord, is what we're called to do. It's what we were created for. Uh, but going our own way, uh, turning away from God, uh, what's the result? Ultimately, it's disaster. It's it's death. So we're called, just like Simon and Andrew and and James and John, the other disciples. We're we're called to to follow him, to be his disciples, to to learn from him, to to know what he knows, to do what he does, to go where he goes. We're all commissioned to him to be fishers of men to proclaim the gospel that's what he told his disciples before he left you will be my witness my witnesses he tells them to go and make disciples carrying on his mission he calls us to to pull people out of the chaos of this world, to rescue them from, from the, the darkness and the, and the peril and, and sin and, and rebellion to lead them to Jesus for salvation. And we're called to count the cost of, of discipleship. You know, Jesus didn't promise that things would always be easy. I don't know that he promised that they would ever be easy. But he did promise that he would never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, and the call of discipleship is a call to surrender. 
giving ourselves to the one who gave himself to us, the one who came to seek and save that which was lost, the one who came to give us life, to give it more abundantly. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we, uh, we know that your way is the way for us, the only way for us, Lord, and we, we confess that we are prone to go our own way. Lord, keep us on your path, the, the path of righteousness, Lord. Let us follow your way by being disciples of, of our Lord Jesus. Um, and you, Jesus, you, you paid the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate cost, your life, to make salvation possible for us. That if we believe in you, we won't perish but have eternal life. So, Lord, we, we thank you for your great love. And we thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.